skeletal forms burn toxic green. Vacant eyes lit with everlasting hellfire. Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Watch Scary Movies. As always, we are your horror hosts. I am Jenny. And I am Caitlin. And this will be our last episode together for a little while. We've managed to record quite a few episodes in my little bank holiday weekend trip down to London. Yeah, usually we were not that successful. <laughs> no, we always have the best best of intentions. It's always like, right, I'm going to come down and we're just going to watch films and write notes and record and, you know, do promo stuff. And we'll usually get like one recorded, two, one yeah. watch, another one watched, and then we're like, oh, let's just go for lunch at the pub. Let's just have fun. Let's yeah. just hang out. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing we know, it's like 4am and we're like twerking in your living room. <laughs> so this time we were more successful, I would say. We were a little bit more productive. Yeah, we've definitely of... partied, but not... It's been, there's been an emphasis on recording. Yes. Hopefully you enjoyed our last episode with our special guest. Yes, with Shane. <laughs> doing... Have fun with the editing on that one. Oh yeah. I've, <laughs> I've got, I'm glad that one's not out for a couple of weeks. So I've got, because uh, yeah, what you, what you listened to last week was probably about a third of what we actually recorded. recorded. Yeah. There was a lot of <laughs> chatty chat going on, but you know, I think that's normal. We haven't all three of us been, well, he even said at the end of the episode, we haven't all three of us been in the same room for quite some time. And so I think even just having the three of us on video yeah. lent itself to a lot of kind of chat and catching up, which is really nice. We love yes. our guests and yeah, Shane was great. Yeah. And we will definitely be having more guests. And if you, if you, want to be a guest on our podcast just let us know you have to suggest a film and i don't know we want a oh no there's a rigorous process yeah you have to submit an essay yeah exactly we need to know exactly why (laughs) you want you want to do this film um we'd like you to actually send us in a video audition you can do interpretive dance a self-tape yeah yeah we don't take just anyone no (laughs) it needs to be creative So today, I'm super excited because we're going back to my birth year. A good a good year for births of people, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you were born in 1981. My husband was born in 1981. My One of my best friends, Sam, she was born in 1981. It was a good year. A vintage good year. year. And the yeah. thing is, in the movie, which we're going to be talking about, is... Poltergeist. Poltergeist, the original. The original Poltergeist, 1981. I mean, this movie was filled with nostalgia for me. Everything from, like, the candy wrappers to the types of cars in the driveway to, like, the football game to the TVs that sit on the floor. Yeah. I was just having a flood of memories. Yeah. We had quite a few suggestions. Because when I was traveling down on Friday, I, I put the feelers out, like, what, what should we do? And this one popped up once or twice, and then one of my best friends, Meg, suggested it as well. When I said we wanted something a little bit more light-hearted than some of the films we'd been doing yes. prior to my visit. I think Relic kind of took it out of us a little bit. Yeah. So we needed a bit of levity, I think. And oddly, I'm, I'm obsessed with this podcast called The Evolution of Horror, which I recommend everybody checks out with the amazing Mike Munzer. And... 
he does like series on horrors and at the minute I'm listening to his series on ghost films and as I was travelling down I just hit the episode on Poltergeist Ooh. so I was like obviously the universe is trying to tell me it's time for us to do this yeah well it came up as a suggestion as well from was it was it Shane as well suggested yeah I think Shane did he had suggested the nun yeah. and he also brought up Poltergeist and so um, yeah it made sense the it time did. was it, right. The time was right. It did yeah. make sense. And I mean, I... So what's your kind of history of Poltergeist? So I can remember Poltergeist, because obviously there's quite a few, I think there's three of them, maybe. There might even be more than that, but I remember the first three. And I remember being, I'd say maybe like 12, 13, and they were all on TV, and I'd taped them onto VHS. And I was like, right, I'm going to watch these. Because I'd been watching horror films, but some, I, I was never one to watch horror films on my own. But then for some reason, I was like, oh, I'm just going to try. And I'd get up on a Saturday morning, so I had a TV set with like a, a VCR in my bedroom. And I'd get up, and everyone would always still be asleep, so I'm an early riser. And I was watching the Poltergeist films. And I loved them. I thought they were scary, and I thought but they were scary, but they were accessible enough for me at 12 to sit and watch them on my own. Like, they're scary, without... but not too scary. No. They're yeah. not, like, traumatising scary. Exactly. No one dies. There's no blood. Well, there's a little bit of blood. Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. made that point yesterday that no one dies. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the most successful horror film ever where nobody actually dies in the film. Which is very Steven Spielberg-esque. Yes. You can, you can sense the Steven so, Spielberg amongst This the film was... The story was written by Steven Spielberg. The screenplay was co-written by Steven Spielberg and he produced it. However, he was not allowed to direct it because he was directing E.T. at the same time and the studio wouldn't let him. Mm. So he hired a director in and he he hired in the amazing Toby Hooper, Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre fame. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a departure from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 100%. And we were saying this as well when we were watching the film because Texas Chainsaw was 70... Six, seventy-four. Okay. Yeah, seventy-four, seventy-six. And um, you know, this is not too much longer after that. So no, it's like yes. six years. He's like, oh, okay. I guess we'll do. I guess not everyone will be killed. Yeah. In this yeah. Time. Exactly. Well, well, maybe we won't go for you know relentless terror. <laughs> relentless terror. That's but how I actually, like my movies. I will say this: like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably is tied first place with. Um, for me as the best horror film of all time and everyone's like oh my god it's so like it's so bad you see all this really horrible stuff and actually you don't see that much gore or blood or things in Texas Chainsaw Massacre it just leaves you feeling dirty like you have well it's which also I think is very clever it's also relentless like you said but in a way that I mean he is terrorizing them and yeah. there is no let up on no. that in Texas Chainsaw Massacre which I mean you kind of get that impulse, guys. When things start happening, they don't really stop happening. That's true. There comes a but, point. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. We have to do Texas Chainsaw because... Oh, absolutely. We will. I've got stories about that one. Me too. I used to fall asleep to it. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. But yeah. So, so Poltergeist for me, I hadn't seen... I have only maybe seen it once or twice. And the last time I saw it was probably at least... 15 years ago if not longer oh yeah because i haven't there seen were it since huge, I was a kid. yeah there were huge like swaths of this movie that i couldn't remember at all mm. um there were certain parts like we were quoting certain lines like jenny was going don't go near the light caroline caroline <laughs> don't go towards the light <laughs> this house is it's clean, clean. <laughs> I, I mean first of all right well i'll wait I'll, i have a whole like, rampage about 
um, or rant even about Tangina at the end of it because. But it was really nice to revisit it because it was almost like watching it for the first time because it had been so long. Yeah. And I had forgotten tons of details about it. But I mean, yeah, should we get into Let's it? Let's get into it. Now it's time for a breakdown. So we open on. I mean, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, but is it the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> The American Anthem. Yes. Okay. And it's funny because this sort of prompted a conversation as well between Jenny and myself remembering, because even though I was born in 81, this was obviously before my time, but that they would play at the end of the day of pro TV programming, they would play the National Anthem before everything went to like static and, yeah. and snow on the TV, as we used to call it. And so I had forgotten that. And so when the movie opens with the national anthem, aside from ve feeling very patriotic, I was confused. And then I realized, oh, okay, it's because it's the end of the day. Yeah, and the, the dad, basically, we I, I probably should have got names. like Craig T. Nelson? Uh, yeah, well, okay, Craig the T. Dad. Nelson. Craig T. You guys, Nelson. I love Craig T. Nelson. Coach. It's Explain explain your love of Craig T. Nelson. So Craig T. Nelson was just like an 80s, 90s TV sitcom star. He did do movies, obviously. He did this one. He was also in True Beverly Hills, which is mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite guilty pleasure movies from the 90s. But he was on this show called Coach. It was like a very long-running TV series. And I don't know. There's just something about him. He, he He's so believable as like the dad next door. Yeah. And I think that's what I love so much about Craig T. Nelson. So, and plus, his name is Craig T. Nelson, and you have to say the whole name every time. So Okay. So and Craig T. Nelson is... <laughs> Is is the, is the dad in yes. this in this film? Yes, and he is asleep in front of the TV, and you see this really adorable dog. It's like this golden retriever, so cute. Um, and it, I love the dog. And the dog's kind of goes up to him, and then goes upstairs, and it's like going from room to room checking on all the children and things. And it steals the crisps out of the boy's bed. It also like ate the food from under the dead. Yeah, it's, it's like, just going around getting snacks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I love this dog. It's a smart dog, and. Carol Ann, the little girl with that 80s haircut. We all had it. It was yep. like bad bangs, like a bowl cut. But like long, but very long, severe. Kind of like, like mullety because yeah. it's kind of long in the back. I would 100% have this haircut. <laughs> Carol Ann comes downstairs and sees the static on the TV and she sits down in front of it and she starts talking to it and she's like, hello, what do you look like? I can't hear you. And she's like shouting at the TV and the whole family kind of wake up and come downstairs to see their creepy child talking to the TV. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'd be like, oh, well. Well, they all sort the of. Kids take, evil. They take it like really well. They're yeah, they're like, like, okay. Oh, okay. They all just kind of look at her. Yeah. And then you get the credits, which kind of roll over these scenes of just middle class suburbia. Yeah. It's just very, in my view, from where I grew up, it looks quite posh. It looks like a posh neighborhood. And their house, where all of the action is concentrated, is massive. At least from the outside, yeah. it looks huge. I mean, it's a new... You kind of find out throughout the film, it's basically like a new suburb that's been built. And the dad... Is it Craig T. Nelson? Craig T. Nelson. Craig, I want to call him Charles, but Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> he is the like one of the best salesmen for the, for the company. And they were the first family to kind of move into the house houses and yeah at, at this new these new suburbs and yeah we have you know steven spielberg's story of production it's directed by toby hooper but it's got this i think one of the reasons why it was so accessible to me as a child was because you had these kind of scary scary moments but the soundtrack the score to this film was amazing it is so 
It's like uplifting. It's like a Disney like live action nineties movie or eighties movie, you know. It's got that very kind of happy, family friendly It gives you that feeling that everything's gonna everything's be okay. Everything's gonna be okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, you know, the beginning of Juman like soundtracks like Jumanji or some family favourite classic. Or any yeah. Steven Spielberg classic. Yeah, well, it's yeah. very in that vein. Yeah. But so you kind of see this guy, he's riding back on his bicycle, he's got a bunch of beer under his arm, he's rushing home, well he's rushing into the house of Craig T. Nelson where they're ha- they're watching Sunday football, mm-hmm. um, which I was living for, just the old school grainy television screen, because you know I love American football, and they're all Rams fans, I think, you can see like in the little boys room, so I'm immediately like, oh they're in Los Angeles, but the Rams didn't used to be in... They're in LA now, but they used to be somewhere else, so... Yeah. I and I love the fact the guy falls off his bike, and the kids on the street will laugh, and the beer's, like, spraying everywhere, and he still runs into the house, and is sat in the living room with all these other guys watching TV while this beer's just spraying. just spraying everywhere. Oh, physical comedy. So, <laughs> yeah, and then there's this whole thing that I didn't really understand, the kind of 80s technology here, where I guess Craig T. Nelson shares a TV with his neighbour, or they share, like, No, the... I think it's basically, like, their, their TVs are so close together in these houses, they've got them in the same place, basically, or, or too close together. So every time one of them uses his remote control, it turns the TV in the other one. Right. So the, the neighbour is, like, changing the channel in his house, and it keeps changing the football game to Mr. Rogers. Yes. And which I also love Mr. Rogers, I, yeah. but I would be upset because I didn't want to watch the game. Yeah. Um, so they have this bit of <laughs> argument, like, oh, you move your set. No, you move yours, kind which, of. I was really baffled by that, but okay. <laughs> then you've got um, the wife. Her name is Diane. I do remember her name. Yeah, Diane is kind of going around to the kids' bedroom, sorting out. I loved, because you have a bedroom which is shared by Carol Ann and... Robbie. Robbie, the, her, her brother. And I love the fact that he's got, like, you know, Star Wars bedding and... It's all Star Wars. Yeah, like Darth Vader. Yeah. There's an alien poster, which I thought was a bit strange, but okay. Like, <laughs> on the wall. Because he's probably around eight or nine. Yeah, and he's sharing a room with his, like, little like baby sister I was like let's have I swear it was the alien it was the alien poster like in the wardrobe (laughs) or something and so as she's as she's kind of the mom's kind of tidying the rooms she notices that their pet bird Tweety has died and she was gonna flush him and Jenny and I were both like you don't flush a bird it's a pretty like decent sized bird I mean it's not huge but But still you wouldn't flush it no Jesus and Carol Ann walks in. A fish? In. I can understand it. Yeah. Like fish? Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I have fish and, you know, my friends have, like, a big a big tank. Like and, a bird? And we've we've definitely flushed a fish once or twice before. But, yeah, a bird, absolutely not. And Carol Ann walks into her mum about to, to flush uh, Tweety down the toilet. So she's like, no, like, they decide to bury it. And mm-hmm. But I like the fact she's like, Tweety doesn't like the smell. And her mum's like, Tweety can't smell anything. <laughs> she's like, put a flower in. And it's a little, really pretty little cigar box. And you know they put they put Tweety in there, and they she puts in a photo of the family in case it gets lonely. And like a little napkin. A little napkin for nighttime, and then you know they go into the garden and they bury it. And I love the fact that she's she has a prayer, and the older sister Dana turns up and is like, oh my god, this is like stupid. Yeah. But then she makes a pet prayer. They bury the bird. And immediately, Caroline's like, can I have a goldfish now? And the dog starts digging up the, the dog, Yeah, the dog digging up the bird. I was like, yeah. come on. But sort of during this scene, Robbie has climbed a tree in the backyard. Yes. And he can see a bunch of clouds rolling in, like there's a storm coming. And it's also the first kind of glimpse you properly get of the tree. Mm-hmm. Because the tree kind of goes on to play a bit of yeah. a role in, in the film. And so... 
as they're going to bed that night, you can tell Robbie's worried about the storm. Yeah. Like, you can hear, you can hear the, the thunder starts to come in. But then we switch over. The parents have put the kids to bed, and they're now getting stoned in their room. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> I love it, too. They're just hanging out, watching TV, getting high. I'm sure my parents did this, too. <laughs> it was the 80s. Like, I'm just I, sure. I am positive my parents didn't. But. but they, so they're kind of discussing the event from the night before, and they seem to think that Carol Ann is sleepwalking, because apparently the, Diane, the yeah. mom... Did you hear the story she tells, though? Yeah, yeah, that she's like, she used to sleepwalk as well. Yeah, and she, she sleptwalked right out of the house into this guy's truck, and he drove all the way to work before he found her, and he didn't even find her. She woke up and started screaming. So all these people come, and basically this guy gets like arrested for kidnapping her, and she's just... And, Diane's like laughing, like, "Oh yeah, my dad had had me like checked over by a doctor for like hickeys and bruises and things," and she's laughing. And I'm like, "Oh my god, how fucking traumatic would that have been for that guy?" Traumatic up- for everyone. Well, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, driving to there's a small child girl in your car, and you get arrested for kidnapping her and obviously potentially like assaulting her. Yeah, like <laughs> that shit will stay with you forever. Yeah, you get accused of assault, you know. That was abusing weed speaking. A, yeah. <laughs> she was just high. <laughs> I hope so. She yeah. just seemed to think it was hilarious. Yeah. But it she... was kind of interesting that sort of the sleepwalking runs in the family. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to us as the audience, Carol Ann wasn't no, sleepwalking. No, at this point they think she was sleepwalking and she points out, she's like, because they're digging a pool in the back garden at this point and she's like, I'm really worried that what happens if Carol Ann sleepwalks and falls into the pool? And they're like, oh no, she won't, she won't. But... Also, I will say that pool being dug in the backyard, being from Florida, I've watched many a pool be dug in many a backyard. You would never, ever, ever just have it like this hole in the ground. There's, oh, you always have kind of barriers or um, just sort of warning signs around it, especially if there's kids and pets and there's just no yeah. way you'd have this big giant death hole <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> and it's just like made of mud at this point as well. Yeah, well, well, after the storm, because the storm comes yeah, in. Yeah, the storm and comes in. So the, there's this big storm. The kids are scared. They go through this whole thing. But eventually the kids end up sleeping in their parents' room. And again, you have the end of the TV test. Yeah. Well, the kids get scared because the you have this bit where you know, the storm coming in. And Robbie wakes up and they've got this, like, terrifying clown doll Yeah. in the yeah. bedroom. And so like, why? 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 I even wrote down, I'm like, are you just asking for your kids to have night terrors? And it's not even, like, out of the way. It's in a chair, like, at the end of his staring bed, staring at him. at him. And he clearly doesn't like it because he throws his he's coat like, on his it. His Chewbacca jacket. I yeah. love that. <laughs> to, co- to cover the scary clown. That is exactly what I did. I used to have this porcelain doll in my bedroom. And she was a ballerina, and I was terrified of her. My, da- my nan bought me her. And every single night, I used to sleep in the top bunk. And I'd be on my own, but... When, like, mum or dad would come and put me to tuck me in and I'd have my books and I would make my dad turn this doll around so she wasn't watching me because I couldn't even look at her without freaking out. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't I don't understand it either. I also had porcelain, like, clown dolls that were gifts from people. And, yeah, I never, I never nope. understood it. They're so creepy. Yep. But, yeah, so the kids eventually go and sleep in their parents' room because of the storm. They're scared. And so the TV time ends and yep. the anthem plays. And then you've got the static going. And so Caroline, of course, wakes up and she approaches the TV. And there's white lights sort of coming out. Um, yeah, like big, weird, like electric-y, misty tendrils come out of the yes, TV. Yes, there are like tendrils. And yeah. then, they, then they shoot out and they sort of concentrate in this spot above the bed. 
and then everything starts shaking like yes. earthquake. Everything's yeah. moving around earthquake. and shaking. And the parents wake up. There's a point where she says a famous line. They're here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's the next day, and Craig T. Nelson is confused. Like, why did no one else have an earthquake? Yeah, he's phone? like, oh my god, I can't believe like everyone slept through this 6.1, you know, earthquake. <laughs> right. He's like, our room's trashed, and everyone else is just like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, what? 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 And this is sort of really, because again, if you're going to divide the movie into parts, this is sort of the beginning of the next part, where obviously the aliens, or the, or the menacing force, or however you want to call it like has come out of the tv poltergeist is now existing yeah and weird things start happening yeah so it's sort of just and it happens pretty quick so they're having like the diane's downstairs with the kids doing having breakfast yeah and the bottom of robbie's glass break him and carolina having a bit of an argument and the bottom of his glass breaks out oh no it's him and his older sister dana and like milk goes all over her and she's like i've got to go to school you know so she storms off and then, oh, and he picks up his cutlery and his cutlery are all bent, like the really bent. bent. Yeah, and then you've got the dog sort of barking at that spot on the wall. Yeah, where, and it's like... Where the tendrils had sort of concentrated. And at first it's barking, and he's like barking and like growling. But then he like stands up on back legs like someone's talking to him. And then he runs off and gets his ball and comes back and drops his ball, looking at it like he wants to play fetch. But we have this really weird scene where the, the workmen are in the garden. And Dana, who's supposed to be 16, the eldest daughter, she comes out you know, ready for school and she's in her school uniform. And like the workmen are like, oh yeah, baby, yeah. Like really, really, really grossly call it, you know, catcalling her. Yeah. And the mum's just watching from the window as Diane like does this, or Dana does this weird thing to give them the finger. She goes she like, like she flicks her boop, chin, boop, she bites boop, her thumb, yeah. and then she flicks them off. Yeah, yeah. and and the mum just laughs. And the mom's laughing. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this is this really inappropriate. Yeah, I guess it was the eighties, but I know, ew. but like, because they're like proper old grown men, and yeah, she's and sixteen, the, and they're in they're in her garden. Like if it was on the street, okay, I mean, I probably would still have flipped, but you know, whatever. But in her own like back garden, because these are the the guys who are digging out the pool. They're, yeah, they're there to they're construction and they are grossly guys. inappropriate. Yeah, and they're there to yeah to build the pool. Yeah, but yeah, so you've got sort of chairs moving, and I think the thing about poltergeist that I like, yes, it starts happening quite quickly, but the progression is in the fact that the first kind of ghostly things that start happening are seemingly quite harmless. Yeah, and innocent like. She, they think it's fun. So yeah, so basically Diane keeps saying to Caroline and, and Robbie about the, the dining, like the kitchen table chairs, like tuck them away. And she comes downstairs and they're all out. And she says to Caroline, like Caroline's on the counter and she's like, oh, did you do this? And she's like, no, the TV people did it. And the mum's just like, right, okay. And the mum literally, I love this scene because she tucks all the chairs in under the table and you've got Caroline on the counter kind of in between and the mum just literally bends down to a cupboard for a second to get something out sits up and all the chairs are in a pyramid on top of the table they're like stacked on the table yeah, yeah it's really creepy it's done so well as well the way that the camera follows her like yeah so that the table's just just out of, out of you and then it comes back and then it yeah. pans back over yeah, and it, and it's kind of it's disconcerting. Yeah, and I think that's how it starts. That it's just a little bit. Unsettling. But I love the fact there's no like, oh, what is it? Well, oh no, it can't be ghosts. Immediately, Diane's like says to Caroline, she's like TV people. Yeah, and Caroline's yeah, she's, mm-hmm. can you see them? And Caroline's like, no, can you? 
and we go to the dad, we go to Creighty Nelson, and he's in another house, and he's basically in the same kitchen, and he's selling this house to this couple. And it's weird, because you see that basically all of these houses are identical. Um, Which was very common. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. In America back in the day, I remember learning that the outline, the out... The layout of yeah. my house, I remember going to my neighbor's house to play with them. And like, you know, their bathroom, their bedrooms, everything was the same. And yeah. all the houses on the street had the same, I think aside from maybe one, had that same layout. Yeah. They were all built by the same people. So this was very common back then. But yeah, you're right. It is the exact same layout. But yeah, he comes home from working and his wife and Carol Ann are like, hey, we want to show you some tricks. Yeah. Come basically. look at this because they're really excited. And so they show him how the chair can move on its own across the kitchen. Yeah, she, she like makes some sound and she gets the chair. And it's almost like she's marked out on the floor. Like there's like an <laughs> arrow on the floor. Which was weird. And yeah, the chair drags itself across the floor. And I was like, okay, fair enough. She's been doing this. But this next bit, I'm like, I don't care how like much. I would not be doing this with my child. She puts Carol Ann in like a bike helmet, like a crash helmet. It's actually a football helmet. Is it a football American helmet? Football helmet yeah. And then she sits her on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> And Caroline gets dragged across the floor. By the TV people, yeah. Yeah, and then she's like trying to say to him, oh, you do it, honey, you do it. It's really funny. You feel like this tickling inside. <laughs> it's tingling, tickling inside. And then it pulls you. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you in the sense that I really liked how readily yeah. they were they accepted the idea of it being ghosts because I do find that frustrating sometimes in movies yeah. where it's like ob we've even said this we're like obviously it's the devil yeah obviously it's ghosts obviously it's haunted like you must open your mind at least slightly that there are things in this world that are unexplainable there are mysteries so I really liked in this movie we skipped all that bullshit yeah we skipped like forty minutes of them like coming to terms with it yeah they just absolutely. accepted it yeah they go and they go straight to the neighbors. Yeah, because they want to know, have you been noticing any disturbances? <laughs> and they get, I love this thing, because they're getting eaten alive by mosquitoes, and you have this really weird bit of dialogue from the neighbour that's like, I've never been bitten by a mosquito, ever. In fact, I don't think any of my family have ever been eaten by... But didn't you think that there was a reason for it? And the thing that I was thinking is that, because light attracts mosquitoes, yeah. so there's all these poltergeists in the yeah, house, yeah. The, the, the light's attracting them, so as soon as they step out the door... There's all the mosquitoes. I mean, is that how you were thinking of it? Kind of, yeah. I just thought the dialogue was really funny when the guy's just like, nope, <laughs> I don't get bitten by mosquitoes. <laughs> I never get eaten by mosquitoes. Let's give a little bit of character development to the neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know anything about him apart from the fact that he doesn't get bitten by mosquitoes. And he, his kids really like Mr. Rogers. That's all yes. we know. <laughs> so back they go after getting attacked by mosquitoes. They're back home. And they send the kids to bed, and in the middle of the night, the tree... So Robbie wakes up, but it's still it's storming again. Mm -hmm. um, and Robbie wakes up, and he is scared of the tree. The tree's, like, looking quite menacing. And The his... tree is creepy, admittedly. The tree is creepy, absolutely. And his dad did, did this, like, talk earlier on when he was first scared of the tree at night time. And I said this, like, they have curtains. Why not just close the curtains? And then you said you thought they couldn't close, that the curtains didn't close. I'm like, who has non-closing curtains in a child's bedroom. I guess because they were upstairs and I've seen them before where they're like two strips either side and like a strip across the top. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they don't actually like close. They're almost just there for decoration. Yeah. I have seen this. I know what you mean. It's weird. And yeah, I don't know why the parent... There's a huge storm coming. Close yeah. the fucking curtain. Exactly. <laughs> but no. Um, but yeah, and the dad's like, oh, this tree's been here a long time. It knows, it knows a lot. And the son's like, oh, it knows we live here. And he's like, yeah, but the tree's here to protect us kind of thing. So he's tried to make out that this creepy tree isn't creepy. Unfortunately, that does not go to plan because the tree 
reaches into the bedroom, smashes through the window, and kidnaps the son. Yep. I, I wrote lots of madness and action. So you get, like, your real first kind of action scene. And you're probably a solid, like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes into the Yeah. Film. So you've got this just mad scene where the parents are... They've run outside to try and rescue Robbie. The dad's trying to climb up the tree to pull him out of the clutches. Yeah. Mom is kind of standing there just screaming. And it's all very loud. Like, the wind is howling and the rain is coming down. And so, back up in the children's room, they can't hear Carol Ann is screaming for her mom. Because, basically, the closet has opened and is pulling... There's a bright light coming out the closet. And, yeah, yeah it's pulling everything in, like, sucking all the furniture I in. thought this scene was really cool. Yeah. And the way that it was filmed was pretty amazing because it's... You kind of see all the different toys flying and then you get the mattresses going. Yeah, and she's and... holding on to, like, the metal bed frame and the bed frame is, like, tearing and buckling. So yeah. whatever it is, it's strong. And, yeah, and you can hear, like, almost like a voice calling out to her from this light. Mm. And she's screaming, but mum and dad are so... Involved in trying to rescue their son from the the tree, they can't hear the her. muddy tree. They they can't do it. And as they always, the oldest daughter is just kind of like not around. Yeah, well, she kind of turns up, and there's like a a, a very I've written a very eighties tornado you see outside. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, it's like mum and dad are trying to get to the boy. There's a tornado. But and... they do. He does finally. The dad finally rescues him and pu- and pulls him out of the yeah. tree. And they, the parents with him run back inside and that's when they kind of discover Carol Ann is missing. And then there's this scene, and I get it, like, who ever thinks like a tree is going to steal your kid? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not, they don't know what to do in this scenario. But they just kind of leave Robbie, like, on his own and he's dazed and, like, clearly traumatized. He's just been, you know, abducted by a tree. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, they, they, they go and they realise Carol Ann's gone and, and they, so they're pulling everything out of the cupboard. And Dana's arrived at this point as well. She was obviously woken up and, yeah. and they're pulling because they think Carol Ann's been sucked into like a tornado's hit and they've been sucked into this like cupboard and they see at the very back there's like a figure covered in a blanket and there's this look like oh no like she's dead or something and they pull it off and it's the evil clown and uh, they're relieved at first that it's not Carol Ann but they're like where the fuck is she yeah so they start looking everywhere and then the, Diane's like oh no the pool like suddenly somehow she's escaped and she's got out and fallen in the pool so you have the bit where like the dad is like jumping in and it's all kind of gross, muddy water, and he's, mm. he's like trying to find her. And while this is happening, the traumatized son is just sat in front of the TV, which is covered in static, and he starts hearing his sister's voice. And he freaks the fuck out. Rightly so. Absolutely. He just starts screaming. He's screaming for his mom. Yeah. Um, and she, 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 the mom hears him screaming and come, comes in, and and he's like, she's in the TV. Yeah. And so then they all kind of can hear her voice. And at first they're looking around thinking she's in the room. And then they realize the sound is really concentrated next to the yeah. TV. And they, and again, sort of pretty quickly accept yeah. that their daughter is, I guess, trapped in the television. So <laughs> then they bring in, I wrote a ghost team. It isn't really a ghost team. It's the like, dad goes to like a university, mm-hmm. like a big building. And I've put to speak to Ghostbusters because that's essentially what he does. He goes and finds the... She's a... She's a psychologist. She's a psychologist, yeah. She's... um, Parapsychology is... She's like, you you don't get... There's no official board of regulators or anything or, you know, uh, guidance for for these people. But she's a psychologist and she also has spent her life investigating these things. And I love this scene because she's like, can we send some people to investigate? And the dad's like, yeah, you know, absolutely. So she comes to the house with, like, the two guys and one of them's telling the dad, like, oh, it's amazing. Like, we caught this toy matchbox car move and it moved like you know, 10 centimeters over seven hours and the dad's like oh 
Huh. And like, they want, and they're like, oh, why is the room locked? Because, oh, we keep the room locked now, the kids' bedroom locked. It's like, oh, okay, well, let's see. And the dad's like, oh, so you, you recorded it move like, you know, 10 centimetres in seven hours and opens the bedroom door and just everything is spinning in the air. Things are flying, you know, toys are flying around, the beds are spinning, the, like, everything's just going mad. And you just have this amazing scene of the, the doctor, this woman psychologist and she's like this is her job she's here to investigate this and she's so shaken she's trying to drink tea and like hands <laughs> are shaking i love that scene yeah that was great but again yeah the family is just very matter of fact about all yeah. of this phenomenon and so but yeah so the mom and dad start to, to they're well they're talking to the psychologist lady and kind of explaining what's going on yeah, and you have the um, the psychiatrist, or like whatever she's called, the doctor woman. She's explaining the difference between a haunting and a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. And she says with poltergeist activity, it tends to come on very quickly and then stop very quickly. Like it lasts maybe a couple of months. And that the parents are like, oh shit, well, we need to, if this could stop any day, we need to get Carol Ann back now. Yeah, and so then, well, then they kind of start to talk to her, right? They, yeah. They want to talk to her, they're almost sort of summoning her, like, Carolyn, talk to us, and she's kind of saying that she can't find them, and it's this quite, like, emotional scene, really, because Carolyn's saying she's scared of the light and that there's someone else there, and then when Carolyn, there's a part where she sort of, at the end of this conversation, if you will, she, there's this light that passes through Diane, and this part is quite, like, emotional, because she basically has this breakdown where she says... I felt her go th- through my soul. Like, I can smell her. Yeah, and I she's... Can smell but, her I think the She's, like, smelling her clothes. She's like, I can smell Carolina in my clothes. Which I understand she's smelling it and she gets her husband to smell it. But then she gets the doctor to smell it and I'm like, that's great, but the doctor's never even met Caroline. So, like, <laughs> why are you asking her to sniff your clothes? And then I have a note here that says, are we just not going to talk about how your son was kidnapped by a child? Yeah. And it's like, like, we're just not ever going to I've got that. written down, like, why are you letting the kids still sleep in the house? I would have noped the fuck out of there. Like, no, you no. stay for your kids, but, like, send... And I know they do say, like, oh, you know, you're going to go stay with grandma or whatever at one point. But it's still just like, why? Why? But not till the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but then this powerful wind kind of blows through, and then they can't hear her anymore. Like, the voice is kind of night. gone. So the spirit, I wrote, called them the spiritual crew. They stay the night, and then we have a lot of whispered conversations <sighs> ensuing here. We We did get a little bit frustrated by the fact that the next 20 minutes... And then somebody else starts whispering. It's like and the, then, uh, the I, spiritual I, crew guys are whispering. Yeah, there's too much whispering. But the psych, the psych lady, as I was calling her, she basically explains heaven in a way. Yeah, she's trying to explain to you the son about like what happens when you die and if you yeah. don't pass through the light. But I've just got written down like stop whispering your feelings. <laughs> yeah. So then you kind of have this scene where everyone's asleep after this whispered convos. And one of the Ghostbusters, the hungry one, decides that he's going to steal the family's food. So he takes, like, a big giant steak. He, like, steal. He's, like, going through the fridge, just taking the food. And he pulls this giant steak out and puts it on the side. He's like, they don't need this. Yeah, I'm going to eat this. And he's eating, like, a chicken leg or something at the same time. Yeah. And then the steak starts, like, sliding across. And I'm like, oh, the ghost wants the steak. Yeah, the steak is moving, and then he he starts kind of having visions, I guess. And well, the steak starts to, like... It opens. It opens up, and, like, loads of gross, like, raw meat 
is and coming then out he of drops it. the chicken bone out of his mouth and realizes that's got like maggots all over it yeah so then we have the scene that traumatized me a little bit as a kid but now i thought was just quite funny where he runs into the um like a, the utility room whatever the bathroom and he's like spitting out his food and he starts washing his face and you get this like vision where the lights go weird and his face starts to peel. Well, he's like, like tearing his he, face off. He tears off. his face off until he's just like a skeleton. These effects are a little bit dated. Yeah. I would say this particular part. But it's still, especially if you were watching this as a kid. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. Really creepy. Like, I got freaked out so much at that scene yeah. as a kid. But now I'm just like, as soon as you look up, it's like this is very, very obviously <laughs> like a rubber head. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally pulling like pieces of prosthetic yeah but you know it's still effective yeah so but while this is happening you've got the other ghostbuster guy who's only got one fucking job he's got one job keep an eye the whole reason the whole reason that they're there is to look out for weird shit happening and he's doodling and misses so basically all the equipment starts reacting yeah and finally when the the hungry ghostbuster comes back in he he alerts the artist ghostbuster and so then they look up and they see this kind of ball of light at the top of the stairs and it looks vaguely like a person yeah i was trying to see like is it carol ann who is it because i couldn't really remember this part i just got like pretty ghost thing yeah and then when they sort of watch it and then it kind of zooms off and then when they record the video and watch it back and at this point everyone's kind of woken up yeah. right so as they go to watch it back they realize it that it's kind of lots of them lots of little balls of light yeah lots and... of orbs and if you kind of look at them you can kind of see the shape of people yeah because they're like oh who are they they are vaguely humanist yeah um and so then yeah and i think the psychologist lady says something like okay this is where she identifies it as a lot of poltergeists yeah it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of people and then the next scene we have craig t what's his name craig t nelson craig t nelson with his boss well actually they send the kids and the dog to the grandparents yes house. Finally, yes. finally, finally, they yeah. send the kids away. Yeah. Um, and she, and the and the psychology lady leaves, but she's gonna come back with help. That's yes. what she says. Yeah. And you have Crazy Nelson, and he's walking up on a hill above the the land with his boss, and they're talking about you know the houses and things. Oh, and the fact that he's been off work for a few days with the flu. Right. And the guy's like, oh, and we hear your your youngest daughter, who was born in the house, wasn't she? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Carol Ann. He's like, oh, she hasn't been at school for a while. He's like, no, she's got the flu as well. Why is his boss so nosy? Yeah. He's a bit of a nosy prick, really. Um, and basically, he's like, oh, we're about to start phase five of the development. Um, and you've, you know, you've sold us like so many million, you know, we've made so many millions because of you and your sales. We want you to have this house up on the hill and it's next to your cemetery. And he's like, oh, um, don't worry, we're going to move all this. And he's like, wait, what? You're going to move it? And he's like, oh, we've done it before. He's like, it's, it's not an ancient burial ground. It's just people. And it's like, you know, talking moved- about the, a cemetery. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we're moving it. And he's like, oh, we've done it before. And... Craziness is like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we we moved a bunch of we moved a cemetery basically where his house is. And this is the first indication that okay, it's not some ancient burial, you know, Native American burial ground, but it is. It yeah, was, it was a grave. He learns that his house was built on a cemetery, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, because his boss is kind of trying to make him a generous offer, like, oh, come build up here on the hill, and he's not that keen because he feels like oh, you don't want to ruin the view for the mm-hmm. people down there. Like, very clearly, symbolically, fighting for the underdog. Here, yeah. You know. But anyway, so back to the house. And here we introduce Tangina. 
Oh, Tangina. The tiniest little psychic that ever there lived. Yeah. <laughs> She's proper psychic, though. And she, she is. She arrives, and amongst more whispering, she explains shit, basically. Yeah. She explains that there's a beast, something called the Beast, and that all these poltergeists are attracted to Carol Ann's life force because it's strong and she's not meant to be in there. And yeah. it's distracting the poltergeists from going into the light. Yeah, they can't go into the light because they're distracted by Carol Ann. And, if they go, and then there's something evil with Carol Ann. And I've just got, like, there's more whispering. And I've just written, this dialogue is, is upsetting, really. It was just very odd. Some of it was good. <laughs> Like, I love the line when she walks in and she's like, do you all mind hanging back? You're jamming my frequencies. <laughs> but yeah, and then she's like, there is no death, just a transition. And yeah, she's saying that the ghosts are trapped in a nightmare. They don't know they're dead, so they don't know how to move on. And Caroline is distracting them and Caroline must help them move on. But there's something evil in there with her. It looks like a child, but it's actually the devil. I put so a, a normal child then. <laughs> yeah, because children... <laughs> There's I love no, them, but they no are evil. Satan. So, so yeah, and she, she really then she gets bossy, and she's like, okay, here's what we need to do. And I was, I was quite glad that she was taking control of the situation because it was devolving into like an emotional mess. Yeah, it was getting a bit bad. <laughs> so, she discovers that there's a doorway, and you can sort of travel through it. I didn't fully understand the doorway part because it's also in the house, so it's like you go through the upstairs room and you end up downstairs yeah like, it was all a little bit odd this portal and so she sends a rope through and and she's like okay the end of the rope falls down in the downstairs and so she they have this sort of bit of funny back and forth well, they have this who's bit, gonna go through well even before that like they're trying to get caroline to talk to them so that they can contact her and try and tell her what to do and at first they can't and tangina's like oh She's wrapped up in this. I can see lots of arms around her, like stopping her. And it's like, oh, you must get her to talk to you. Who is she more like scared of? And the mum and dad oh, are yeah. arguing. And then she's like, basically, she makes the dad. She's like, you have to tell her that she's going to get a spanking if she doesn't talk to you. And he's like, I've never spanked my kids. And he has to like scream at the ch at her. It'd be like, Carol Ann, if you don't talk to me right now, you're going to get a spanking. <laughs> and it works. She's it like, works. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so then they decide they're going to send the mom through because she she feels like Carol Ann won't go to this strange lady. Well, it's not that. It's just that she's like, because Tangina at first is that she's going to go. She has her balls. At first she demands her balls. She has these <laughs> tennis balls and yeah, she kind of throws it into the closet and it falls out in the living room. Yeah. Which is when they put this rope through. And Tangina's like, oh, I'm going to go. And uh, I should let me go. And then the and then the mom and Diane's like, no, let me go. And Tangina's like, no, you've never done this before. And Diane's like, well, neither of you. And Tangina says, oh, you're right. You go. That's <laughs> what I, I mean. love. They have yeah. this like, funny little dialogue there. And so, I mean, long story short, basically the mom goes in, rescues Carol Ann. They, they come floss out, the ghost hole. They floss the ghost hole. They come out covered in pink goo. The dad puts him in the bathtub where they wake up. Yeah, Everyone's he's like, like No one's breathing. You have that super romantic 80s Spielberg moment before before the mum goes in where um, Diane and Craty Nelson are like holding each other, kissing and saying how much they love each other before she goes into the ghost hole. <laughs> and then yeah, she's like, Stephen, don't let go. And he's like, never. Never. And he doesn't. He, he doesn't know. Him. But yeah, and then the whole thing the whole time, it's like, 
you know, at first it's like, oh, don't go into the light, Carol Ann. And then it's like, go into the light, Carol Ann. And now it's like, do and they, they not go into the light? Go into yeah, the light. it's like, yeah. do they not? Do they do? Like, who knows? But anyway, they wake up in the bathtub, hooray, covered in goo, but alive nonetheless. Yep. And then Tangina proclaims that the house is clean. This house is clean. And then now it's moving day. So yep. we're staying happy. In the, happy. We're staying in the new Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> so they're packing up all their shit and of course Craig T. Nelson has to go run to the office and do some sort of manly task. Yeah. So they, he leaves his wife and kids alone in the house and so the mom's like I'm gonna run a bath. Well she's got after coming out of the ghost hole she's got these grey streaks in her hair which I loved. Mm-hmm, me too. And uh, yeah Dana the eldest is like oh aren't you going to do something about them and she's like I kind of like them but for whatever reason, she decides that she's going to die them. And yeah, the dad's like, oh, well, if the kids need to go to sleep before I come back, just put them to bed. Like, really? Put them to bed in the house, in the room, where they just got sucked into a ghost dimension. Well, I got the feeling that between them coming out of the goo and moving day, like, some time had passed. Mm. I definitely got that feeling. I don't think it was, like, the next day that no, they were still, moving. like, I would not have let them sleep in that room at all. But I would guess they've probably been sleeping back in the house yeah. for, like, a week or so. Yeah. If not longer. Yeah. So, the mum decides to dye her hair, the kids are playing in the room. I would never leave them in that house out of my sight ever again, but for whatever reason, she decides to but chill Tangina in But said the house was clean, so maybe they just believed her, you know? They've got Carol Ann back. I mean, I don't know, I agree. It seems like an odd choice yeah. after everything that's just happened. And why is Carol Ann now playing with a headless doll? Yeah, I don't The know. head keeps falling off her doll and she's like cuddling it as See, she goes I to thought that, that the head was being moved. That was my first kind of indication that... So basically what happens is mom's in the bath and the kids are kind of seemingly put themselves to bed. Yeah, she says, she's like, you know, tuck yourselves in and I'll come, when I'm out of the bath, I'll come and I'll come. No kid I know does that, really. No. Especially when they share a room. Yeah. But anyway, so they they do. They put themselves to bed. And yeah, you can see as Carol Ann's like cuddling up to this headless doll. I thought the head was being moved. So maybe that was me misreading it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of was the like... The head like fell off. Yeah, but it almost like it looked like it moved. Yeah. And then she kind of tried to put it back. And so that's... I just kind of thought, oh, the house isn't clean. That yeah. was like my first yeah. indication. And then... The son falls asleep, and when he wakes up, there's a che- one of the dining chairs is in the room, and then the clown, that fucking clown doll. It, well, he had, when he'd gone to bed, he'd gone to throw something over it again, yeah. just like he did in that scene earlier, and it fell. Like, the jacket didn't make it, and it fell, and so he went to, like, grab it, and then when he came back, right, the clown was gone. Yeah. So he, he's like holy shit like it was two seconds and the clown is gone so he comes back on his bed and he's peeking underneath one side of the covers and then he moves over to peek under the other side and underneath the bed is empty and as he's coming back up the clown like attacks him from behind and wraps its creepy armor on his neck drags him under the bed drags him under the bed very scary this scene terrifying now this is an effective jump scare yeah because i jumped but then it's like it carries on with the attack and yeah so now shit just goes mad. Like, basically, he's screaming, and then the mom gets attacked, too. Yeah, the mom's out of the bath, and she's in just, like, a, a big, like, T-shirt on the yeah. bed. And then she hears her son scream, and then suddenly something's, like, lifting her shirt up, and she's, like, shit, and, like, pulling it down. And then she gets thrown against the wall, and she's that amazing... And I, I don't care how often it's done, I always think it's fucking terrifying when they get dragged up the wall onto the ceiling, like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street style. Yes. Uh, only this time, obviously, because it's Steven Spielberg, no one gets eviscerated. 
but you know. <laughs> but it's so disorienting. Yeah, and yeah, because yeah. she's trapped on the ceiling and she can't. She can hear her children are in distress and she can't get to them. And I sort of noted during the scene, Carol Ann's just kind of chilling. She's just kind of sitting there, like Robbie screaming, Mom is screaming. So then the mom runs outside. The kids are in the bedroom. You know, like, Robbie's fighting this clown, and you look at the closet door, and it's like evil syrup is coming out of the, the door. Yes, yes, all around it. And yeah, the mum is somehow outside and she ends up in a pool which is now just filled with mud and all these skeletons start popping up Oof. in the pool there. Like coffins and skeletons. It's and like, she... haven't, we, haven't we had enough of this exactly. corpses in the mud bath? Yeah. Drag me so to hell. Every time but she's yeah. like getting out, she falls back in. Ugh, and then the neighbours... It was really creepy. The neighbours yeah. randomly... Oh no, she's like screaming, help me, help me, at one point before she falls in the pool. That's why she ran outside. Yes, to get yell help. for help from yeah. the neighbours. So the, the neighbours that never get bitten by mosquitoes, they come <laughs> and they pull her out the pool yeah. and then there's all these flashing lights inside the house and she's like, oh, I've got to get my kids. And the neighbours are like... I'm not going in there. Yeah, she's and like, help me. And they're like, nope. Nope, nope. <laughs> so she runs back in to... And there's a portal, like, yeah. opening in the kids' room. This the, the syrupy stuff is now turning into, like, a portal. And there's a tentacle, big, like, yeah, big flamey tube. And there's, like, a... Trying to suck the kids in. And there's a tentacle trying to get them. It's um, like, the beast is loose. Yeah, the dad is useless and turns well, up. Well, Craig T. Nelson finally arrives back, yeah. He can't get in the house every time he tries. Like Because the, the mum's got the kids at this point. She's managed to pull them away from the portal. Yes. And she's trying to get them out of the house, and she can't. Um, Dana finally shows up as well, like, yeah. in a car. And you have this famous line by Craig T. Nelson where he's, like, screaming, because his boss is there for some reason. His boss is outside. Well, it was when he'd come back from the office, I think either his boss had given him a ride or mm. his boss had stopped by. Yeah, that wasn't totally clear. Yeah, and but... he starts screaming at him. He's like, you son of a bitch, you only moved the headstones. Showing that the, when they built the bland... They left the bodies. The, the guy, mm. yeah, he didn't... The boss didn't move the bodies. He just moved the headstones, and that's why... But he, but he manages to get the wife and kids in the car with him. Yeah, and yeah, then the do- Dana turns and up. And then Dana turns up from with her friends, and she gets in the car with them, and they, like, tear off. Yeah, and... because, like, everything on the street, like water pipes are going off and like the gas mains are on fire and people's cars have been dragged but you've got a bunch of spectators like, yeah obviously oh people, yeah people are watching uh, for the first time it's not so contained in the house and ultimately the house what eats itself yeah it, it's, it's almost like a black hole it kind of sucks itself in and the other house collapses in on itself yeah exactly that's a good way to describe yeah. it i wrote that it eats itself but i like the, the black the, hole better yeah and the boss man is just sitting in the street and he's kind of crying realizing that something you know he's basically ruined he's a bad person he's a bad person and yeah like he's ruined when this gets out like no one's gonna want to live in his and then the family drives away to go stay at the holiday inn you've got some pleasant music yeah <laughs> and i love this bit it's, so basically they they walk into their room in the holiday inn and you've got like, the flashing neon light in the background yeah. in the room and then seconds later Craig Nelson opens the door and wheels the TV out <laughs> and then closes the door and again and leaves it in the hallway and then we have the twinkly hallmark music with kids singing oh Steven Spielberg and that is the end and then the credits so how many poltergeists did you give it well I actually gave it three but I think I'm actually like that was what I drew I've got three little weird wobbly ghosts, but I think I actually would give it more than that. 
So I actually gave it a really high score, like straight out the gate, and I'm actually going to lower my score slightly. So I had given it a 4.5, and I think that's really high, and rethinking it, I'm probably going to go with a 4. But the thing is, even with the 4.5, I think after I'd finished watching it, I was thinking about how sort of effective it was. Yeah. Because it, it is genuinely frightening at moments, and I just thought they did a lot of things really cleverly, like by keeping the action concentrated in one place by keeping it for the most part um limited to just sort of one family yes you have people come in you have the psychic lady and the ghostbusters and tangina yeah and to some extent the neighbors and the boss but for the most part really you're focusing on the family unit yeah and so i always think that makes for just really effective horror movies like the bigger and broader you try to make it the and the less specific I think the sort of less scary, not always, but very frequently. And, yeah. you know, and it also just goes to show you, you don't have to have a ton of gore. You don't have to have a ton of expensive special effects. You just need some good actors and a solid storyline. I mean, look, if you think about the effects in this movie, some of them stand up, some of them don't. Yeah, some of them do, But even then, like, even but the it ones that don't necessarily stand up are still somewhat effective, I think, even now. Well, it doesn't matter as much because it, everything else surrounding it is so strong. The plot line is so strong. The performances are great. Like, you know, kid actors, anyone will tell you. It's hard It's hard to find, like, non-annoying, good kid actors. And, and you know, Carol Ann's cute without being saccharine. Yeah. The family is likable and accessible to some extent. Like, you know, so I just thought it was it was a success in many, many ways. And so, and then on top of it, I genuinely enjoy it. It's an yeah. enjoyable, entertaining film, you know? And I think there's something to be said for that after we were kind of talking about, even with Shane a little bit, like, how much do you just enjoy watching something? And The Poltergeist is pretty... It's enjoyable. Yeah, it is. I enjoyed it, and I... Have you seen the other ones, the second and third No, one? so I haven't seen yeah, them. Yeah, I reckon you should watch them. They are good. The second one has this really creepy guy in it. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. And I like the fact that quite often when you look at films like this, where it's like a haunting, or like, mm -hmm. you know, something bad happening in a house with family, look at like the Amersfoort horror, things like that. It tears, it's like this dark force comes in and tears a family unit apart quite often. Whereas this one immediately just brings them all closer. And I really liked that. That's so true, yeah. Like you said, we had no fighting, like no, the no point did the dad kind of claim the mother was a, the hysterical woman, which right. is often the kind of trope you get with, with, with like the adult women in, in ghost movies. Yes. And um, they're normally seen as hysterical and making it up. And even, you know, Drag Me to Hell, when the first instance of it happening at her house... And the doctor and her boyfriend are just like, oh, you know, it's just trauma. Right. They want to explain and it she's, away. And immediately she's like, oh, yeah, I've just gone crazy from what's happened to me. <laughs> I've just crazy. Yeah. Whereas in this, immediately it was like, no, okay, I believe you. Like, yeah. This, this yeah. is crazy. That's so true. And I really liked that. So then, so three stars to me is fairly low. So I'm going to, yeah, this is what I mean. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to put it up. I wasn't sure if I maybe just didn't draw enough ghosts. Um, <laughs> you just left some out. I'm... I'm going to meet you at four. Yeah. I'm sort of trying to think why I'm taking mine down. And I think it's because I think ultimately I don't find it a particularly terrifying No, film. it's not. And I don't know that it's necessarily meant to be either. But, yeah. you know, it, my love is for horror movies. I want to be scared. So I think that's why I took it down a bit. Yeah. But even then, solid, solid four because 
everything is great. The directing is very good. Mm -hmm. The plot is excellent. The acting is fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm definitely yeah. a fan. And do you know about the curse of the poltergeist? Movies? So, I do a little bit because we were talking about it, but I think you should tell our listeners. So, poltergeist has three films, a trilogy, and there is a, a rumoured curse on these films because there was quite a lot of tragic deaths involved. So, Carol Ann, uh, Heather O'Rourke, she was six years old when the first film came out and she died really sadly. I think she was 12 when she Yeah, died. it was basically, I think 1988 she died. So only eight years, 88, seven years after this came out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she was about 12, 13. She was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease and she had a heart attack basically and died just after the third film was... I wonder if staring into television static for prolonged periods of time for the sake of the films had anything to do with it. Maybe. Probably not, but yeah, very sad, very sad. Anyway. The She's so young. Daughter, Dana, the eldest sister, mm -hmm. she was played by Dominique Dune, and very sadly in 1982, so just a year after this film came out, she split up from her boyfriend and he choked her to death. Oh my god. Was she in other things? Um, she did look familiar to me, and I did think, oh, have I seen her in like another kind of teen movie of the 80s or something? Or even late 70s? I'm not sure, maybe. But she was quite young, so I mean, that is just tragic. Yeah. And then from the second film, there was two people who um, died very famously. The guy, uh, the kind of evil preacher man, Kane who looks like terrifying he gave me fucking nightmares he was really creepy he had stomach cancer and um he died just after they made this or even while it was still filming oh and somebody else who was in the second film who plays this native american guy he also died of cancer around the same time but yeah so there were a lot of weird things that happened i think there's an episode of cursed films the um shudder show about kind of these things all about it so it'd be worth a watch but yeah it's just really really sad Poor Heather O'Rourke. Yeah, that's that's just terrible. Yeah. But having said that... <laughs> having said that, it's a great film. I think everybody should definitely watch it. Definitely recommend it. it. Um, it's definitely one if you're a bit freaked out, but you don't want, you know, you don't necessarily want to watch like really scary film. If you just want to watch something a bit scary, but also yeah. that, you know, What was enjoyable. the official rating for this? Like the, was it PG-13 or... I think so. Let's... Because it was... I don't know what the equivalent of that is here. 15, maybe? I'm also... 15. It was a 15, 15. Yeah. And yeah. did, um... did Has Steven Spielberg done a proper horror film ever? Jaws? Yeah. I guess Jaws. I mean, I would count Jaws as a horror film. Yeah, I mean... It's a monster film, but it's still a horror yeah. film. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> as we always say, please rate, review, like, subscribe, share... Leave us a rating. We beg you. It Please helps us out. Please review us on iTunes. It bumps us up the list to see so other people can find us. And we will re if you leave us a review, we will read it out in the next episode. If you want to suggest films, suggest films for us, come chat to us on the Facebook page. Or you can just send us messages on the Instagram page if you want. Um, but yeah, but talk thank, to us. Thank you for listening. And next time we record, we will sadly not be in the same room having struggles. True. But there will be, there, we will reunite in we the will. future. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We love you. Brothers Keg, take us out. Bye. Bye. Bye.